You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. morning, we are going to conclude our sermon series on Moses. We're going to look at the end of Moses' life as it is given to us in the 34th chapter of Deuteronomy. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we do give you thanks for this day, for this time to be together, for this time to be gathered at your feet in your presence. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would be with us, that the words that we read are your words, the words that are spoken are your words, the words that are heard are your words. And God, we pray that this encounter with you may be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. In your holy name we pray, amen. So we'll look in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, and I'm actually going to read the whole chapter. We'll start at verse 1 and read through verse 12. I would invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite of Jericho, and the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Nagab and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho and the city of the palm trees, as far as Zeor. And the Lord said to Moses, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. And I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite of Beth Peor. But no one knows this, no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land and for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a friend whose family invented a game. It's a dice game. It's one of those where you you roll the dice, and then depending on what you roll, you either get points or the opportunity to roll again for more points. I would love to tell you the rules about how to play, but honestly... I didn't understand them at all. But the good news is that my friend is there and she would tell us the rules as we played. Honestly, 
think she made up the rules as we played, because she would say, oh, you get to roll again. Oh, no, you don't get to roll again. One time she even said, oh, that roll was worth 500 points, but you're not on the board yet, so they don't count. <laughs> I was very confused, but we kept playing until at last someone reached the goal. Someone had 5,000 points. Fantastic. We have a winner. Hmm, not quite. It turns out my game inventor friend explained to us that the rules state that after someone reaches 5,000 points, the dice go around the table again to give everybody the opportunity to try and beat out the original winner. Okay, so we pass the dice around again, not exactly sure if anybody could possibly get past the 5,000 points until, according to a complicated set of scoring rules that I still don't understand, someone indeed passed the 5,000 points and became the ultimate victor of the game. The new winner, of course, was elated that she had won the game, and the one who got the first 5,000 points was kind of put out. So part of me is wondering then, as we read this passage this morning, if Moses feels a little bit like that. Deuteronomy tells us that God leads Moses up the mountain to show him the expansive land that Moses has been leading the people to for 40 years. This is the promised land. This is the land that God commanded Moses to leave captivity and lead the people to. And God takes Moses up there and says, here, here is the destination that you have been journeying to. Here is what you have been working on. But will you get to enter, God says. Ah, not quite. Instead, Scripture tells us that God tells Moses not only will he not enter the promised land, but Moses will enter the church triumphant. Moses dies there on that mountain, and Joshua becomes the leader and the one who will lead the people into the promised land. So yeah, I'm wondering if Moses feels a little put out here. But at the same time, the truth of the matter is that Moses knew when he began to climb that mountain, he knew he wasn't going to get to enter into the promised land. God and Moses had that conversation several chapters back. Moses knew the reality of the situation. He knew when he reflected on the last 40 years that the people hadn't exactly been overly faithful. There are times they had been disobedient. There were times that they had turned their back on God. Moses knew that even his very own self, there were times that he had tried to take credit for God's work or even it tried to accomplish the work without God altogether. Moses knew that the journey had been long and hard and that there were plenty of times the people had just given up. God had already told them that they weren't going to get to enter into the promised land. But nonetheless, Moses knew that even though the people had been disobedient, even though Moses had tried to accomplish some things without God, even though all of those things happened, Moses knew that God had still not abandoned them, that it was because of God's faithfulness and provision and steadfast care that God had continually shown them that they had made it here to the entrance of the promised land. So I don't really think Moses was put out as much as I believe that Moses' time on the mountain was a time of awe 
and wonder and thanksgiving for the faithfulness that God had already shown them. I couldn't help, when I read this passage, I, I couldn't help but reflect then on those own faith giants that have, I have had in my life. Pastors, mentors, grandparents, various people who have poured into me and taught me faith but have gone on to live with God. When I was reflecting on all of these people and so many of them who left this earth before I was ready, over and over again, I realized that so many of those people spoke into my life and they spoke into my life these same words of gratitude for the faithfulness that God had demonstrated to them instead of speaking of the unfairness that they were leaving early. As these people peeked onto the other side of their own personal mountains, they too gave glory to God for that which God had already done in their lives. And I am so grateful for that testimony that they left for me, the testimony that they spoke into this world. Indeed, Moses does the same here. In chapter 33, the chapter just before the one we read, Moses spends the whole time giving Israel this beautiful blessing, saying goodbye to the people that he had loved so well and reminding them of God's faithfulness and of God's provision. He reminds them that God has already been faithful. God has already demonstrated faithfulness and goodness and that God is being faithful even now. So here, God has invited Moses then to ascend to the mountain, to cast his eyes on the land that's flowing with milk and honey, this land that they've been working towards this entire time. And I think, I think Moses must have been so excited to finally get to see this thing they've been talking about, to cast his eyes on this land that they've been working toward this whole time. This, after all, was the land that God had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Moses' eyes, Moses' eyes are the eyes that will get to see it first. And the scripture writer here in Deuteronomy wants to make sure that we understand how glorious this moment is. The scripture writer makes sure to tell us that God showed Moses the whole land and spends three verses describing in incredibly difficult to pronounce detail all of the borders of this massive land it's specifically naming from here to there and there to here, this whole land, describing the expansiveness so that the reader can join in with Moses and standing in awe and wonder at the glory and faithfulness of God, reminding us that here God has already been faithful. And just in case, just in case, we're tempted to say, well, Moses was kind of old. He really couldn't see what was going on. He really wasn't aware of what all was going on. The scripture writer says, no, I want to be really clear. And in verse 7 says, Moses' sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated. Moses could see the faithfulness that God had already demonstrated. And it's important for us to note that. But I also wonder, I also wonder if part of the reason it's so important for the scripture writer to tell us about Moses' eyes is because I, I'm wondering if, as Moses stood there with God on that mountaintop, I'm wondering if Moses saw the land as God saw it. So not looking out and, and seeing like, 
trees and rocks and dirt and outside things, but maybe seeing the land as God would have longed for it to be. A land where people of God would prosper and be free. A place where people could worship and care for one another. A place where no one complains about what you're making for dinner and everyone can get a puppy whenever they want one and the best shoes are always on sale in your size. And a place where the passion and trust in a marriage never fades. And a place where no one needs the numbing effects of alcohol. And a place where fear doesn't hold people hostage from being the person God made them to be. A place where everyone is valued and privilege isn't assigned by your gender or your skin color or your economic status. The land that Moses saw that day might be not yet. Wasn't that yet. But I believe that Moses had the ability to see this land as the place where it will be in the coming of the glory of the Lord. A bajillion years ago when I was in seminary, we called that prophetic imagination. The ability to see and speak the truth and fullness of God in a place where it just wasn't quite complete yet. Certainly, we know Moses has demonstrated that prophetic imagination. We've been seeing it each week over and over as we have journeyed our way through the study of Moses. How many times in this journey has Moses had to assert that the false claims of earthly authority and power cannot keep their promises? That the false gods that the people would look to couldn't hold up in the face of a steadfast God Moses would speak the truth of God into a time and a place, giving life and truth to that which is not yet known by the people. Last month, we celebrated Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King Jr. also had this amazing gift of prophetic imagination, and very often we would see that in his speeches. He actually referred to this passage in Deuteronomy in a speech that he gave, a brilliant display of prophetic imagination. In a speech he gave in Memphis, Tennessee, he gave that speech the night before he was shot and killed. And as he's wrapping up this speech, this, this is how he closes it out. He says this, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter to me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land, and I may not get there with you, but I want you to know that tonight, we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. To be clear, Martin Luther King Jr. was not a well-liked man. He had been, at that time, he had been speaking a hard truth into society and people, especially the white people, didn't like it. MLK was constantly pointing out the racial economic disparity and calling on leaders to do something about that. He was calling for justice and mercy. He was calling for a better, more faithful land. And he got a hard time for it. And yet, 
in spite of all that was not complete yet about God's promises to the world, MLK continued to paint a big, bold, beautiful picture of that which God could do, of that which was not yet. And Martin Luther King Jr. died claiming the promises of what God has done and looking forward to the promises of what God yet will do. Here in Deuteronomy, up on that mountain, Moses dies right there at the border. Right in between the wilderness and the promised land, the scripture tells us, Lord commanded Moses' death. And then in this really beautiful display of intimacy with the only man who knew the Lord face to face, it is God himself who buries Moses. A poetically beautiful ending to a faithful man's life. But what I don't want you to miss is this. Moses died at the border. Moses died in the in-between Moses dies in the middle of where he has been and where the people are going. Moses dies right in the middle of acknowledging the promises that God has already fulfilled and the times that God has already been faithful and the goodness that God has already done and the promises that God has not yet fulfilled, the faithful acts that God has not yet done and the goodness that is not yet complete. Moses dies right in the middle of the already and the not yet. And isn't that just about right? Isn't that where so many of us are now, caught in the in-between? So many things that, that we are so thankful for, so many ways that we know God has been faithful to us, so many times that we are aware that we have seen God's goodness and seen God's glory, and yet, and yet so many places where we know that God's promises and goodness have not yet been made complete. The already of a vaccine finally being available, but the not yet of the difficulties of getting an appointment or access to the vaccine, and almost a year later still being restricted from seeing our loved ones the way we want to. The already of maybe being able to keep a job in a time like this that helps us provide for our families, but still living the not yet of spending an entire day working in a place that drains the life out of us. The already of having children that we love in ways we didn't even know were possible, but still living the constant not yet of holding our breath as they navigate anxiety and depression, identity uncertainties, and unhealthy life choices. The already of passing civil rights acts to demand rights for our brothers and sisters of color, but the reality of a systemic racism keeping us in the not yet. The already of a beautiful sanctuary, but the not yet of still desperately wanting to not have to be so far apart when we take communion together. The already of long, beautiful lives of the people we love but the not yet of having to save our goodbyes for another time and another place because we are unable and restricted from being with them when they go to be with God in glory. The already of a risen Savior, but the not yet of a Christ who has not returned yet in full glory to reconcile the world to itself 
and to reconcile the world back to God. Friends, the good news is this. God has been faithful. There are evidences of God's goodness all around us and they remind us of who God is and the way that God has claimed us. They remind us that when, even when we wander in the wilderness, even when we turn our backs on God, that even then, that God is with us every step of the way. And we give thanks for that. And because of that, because that we know that God has been faithful, because we see it over and over, because we have that evidence, then we can move forward in faith and hope and boldness, knowing then that God will continue to fulfill those promises. And so this passage of Moses on a mountain, this passage calls us then to be a people of hope, a people who see the world as surely God must see it a people who do the work that will bring about this kingdom of God that is not yet, a people who claim truth and mercy and love. So today, dear friends, claim your mountaintops. Know that the faithfulness of God has already gotten us here, and the faithfulness of God will indeed lead us to the not yet. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, indeed, we give you thanks. We give you thanks because you are at work in ways bigger than we could ever ask or imagine, Lord. And we give you thanks for the glory of the promises that you have already fulfilled, the way that you continue to demonstrate your faithfulness to us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would continue to call us then to be a people of boldness, a people of hope, a people who continue to claim and work towards those not yet promises. God, call us into the world to be those people to proclaim that good news. In your holy name we pray, amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.